0: another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one of your co-hosts as usual, Jeff. Joining me also as usual from the Pacific Northwest is my normal co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, welcome. How are you doing this week?
1: Hey, uh, it's great to be
0: here. (laughs) Well, let's jump into our show because we have got a jam-packed show. It's almost as if we're playing a game today. We're gonna to start on time, but there's a weather system moving in, and we're hoping to pack nine innings in, in in two hours. Like, although this show's not gonna be two hours, but we got a lot to do and we need to get to it quick. So let's do it. No lollygagging in between at bats. Let's get off, you know, off the field, get up to bat. Let's make this happen. This is our the the timeliest show we have ever had in the history of this podcast. This is show I think 122, but this is everything is everything is timely today. We got a couple of things in BP that either happened last week or this week. We've got a trivia question that is timely and we have got the main segment of our show this week. We're going to talk about the Ryan Sandberg game which that happened tomorrow if you're listening to this on our on our debut day. So we got a whole bunch of things Everything's very timely. Alright. First thing I want to talk about, Mark. This is something you and I mention all the time. Here's a little intro to it. I hate Keith Bernardes. Hate him. I despise him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> why? I'll tell you why. No, let me tell Now No, you can't tell it. You us. always tell it. Alright, tell it. I, 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 just tell it. <laughs> June
0: 14th. 1987, Mets, Phillies were enjoying a beautiful afternoon in the right field stands when a crucial Hernandez error opens the door to a five run Phillies ninth cost the Mets the game. Our day was ruined. (laughs) So (laughs) Seinfeld, we we, we do Seinfeld a lot. We love Seinfeld. That is one of our favorite episodes. The Boyfriend is the (laughs) official name of it. But Mark, and I bring this up because the date was was pretty clear there, June 14th, 1987. That was last week. Are you ready
1: for your world to be just rocked? I'm not sure. I better put my seatbelt on.
0: <laughs> sure, go ahead. What if I told you on June 14th, 1987, the New York Mets were, in fact, in Pittsburgh playing the Pirates? What? Yes. That's, it doesn't make that sense. ruins everything. It really does. The Phillies, likewise, they were in Montreal. So... I, <sighs> Come on! They could have done a little bit of research here in this in this you know,
1: game. What I always loved about Seinfeld was how realistic it was, and uh, that ruins it for yeah, me.
0: I hate the show now. Never going to watch it again. Me neither. <laughs> so the Mets, as I said, beat the Bucks seven to three that game. The Mets, though, they committed no errors in that game. Keith Hernandez, in fact, was the player of the game. He went two for four with two RBI. He had a double and a homer. Keith Hernandez WPA for that game was 0.217. It was not a game at all. They blew him out. Keith Hernandez had a
1: great game.
0: Roger McDowell, by the way, did not appear in that game.
1: Jeez. I'll tell you what, man. Uh, that, that's uh, incredibly disappointing. Um, I, I just, I need a minute. Yeah, take a minute.
0: Take and Okay, I'm better. <laughs> While you take a minute for that, let's get, We're like I said, we've got a a ton of stuff today. So I'm going to get right into our debuts. I have some other things I wanted to talk about. We're going to save those for a a later show. Get right into debuts because we've got a couple of debuts, one of which is going to take us a little bit of time here. 1971, today, the day this show debuts, June 22nd. 1971, none other than Mr. Kurt Bavacqua makes his major league debut for Cleveland. We've brought up Mr. Bavacqua's name quite a bit just because I like to say Bavacqua.
1: And uh, and because he had one of the best mustaches in history. Oh,
0: he did have a good mustache. Yeah, definitely. Uh, nicknamed Dirty Kurt. For, That's right. for routinely having a very dirty uniform, which is something that I really enjoy. That's why I like Rick Shue because of that one baseball card of him in his Phillies uniform, and he's just really dirty. A couple of other things, though, from Kurt Bivacqua. 1975, there was the Joe Garagiola Bazooka Bubblegum Blowing Championship. Kurt Bivacqua famously defeated defending champ Johnny Oates in the finals. Cops memorialized this card in the 1976 set. Good card to get if you can get it. Kurt Bavacqua, blowing bubblegum. Another thing about Kurt Bavacqua, a bit of a fighter. (laughs) He got in a couple of scraps, a couple of really well-known scraps. So let's go through them here. First, 1975, a very famous one. Kurt Bavacqua and George Brett go at it at second base, 1981, spring training, he incited a bench-clearing brawl when the Detroit Tigers, uh, when he was with the Detroit Tigers after Bill Robinson was hit in the face with a pitch. All right? He's saying, okay, there's yeah. two fights. 1982, Tom Niedenfuer of the Dodgers hit Joe LaFave with a pitch after giving up a home run the pitch prior to Broderick Perkins to lead off the ninth. Niedenfuer had blown a save the night before. He did it again today. He was hit with a $500 fine for intentionally hitting Lefebvre. Afterwards, Bavacqua expressed his opinion to the local press that they ought to find that fat little Italian, too. He ordered it. Of course, referring to Tommy Lasorda. We've heard this one before, but it's definitely worth hearing again. Tommy Lasorda's response to Kurt Bavacqua's quote.
1: tell you what I think about it. I think that is very, very bad for that man to make an accusation like that. That is terrible. I have never, ever since I've managed, ever told a pitcher to throw at anybody, nor will I ever. And if I ever did, I certainly wouldn't make him throw at a 130 hitter like Lefay or Bavakwa, who couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. I guarantee you this: when I pitched, and I was going to pitch against a f- team that had guys on it like Babaqua, I sent a f- limousine to get the f- sucker to make sure he was in the mother f- lineup because I kicked that f- sucker's ass any f- day in a week. He's a f- mother f- big mouth. I'll tell you that.
0: He just can. You can just hear him getting ramped up.
1: <laughs> oh, exactly. Like, he starts off. It just sounds like your typical mundane. You know, well, I would never do such a thing. And uh, no, that's uh, that's preposterous. And by the way, Kurt Bavak was a piece of <laughs> Kurt.
0: Oh boy, that just it escalated quickly for
1: sure. It, <laughs> <From>
0: it did. <laughs> Uh, moving on to 1984, 1984, one of the most, maybe the most famous brawl in Major League Baseball history, San Diego at Atlanta, where there were, I think, 89 different brawls throughout that game. Uh, Bovakwa not in the lineup that day, but he was still a big part of it as he was doused with beer by a fan at one point and went into the stands after the fan in which would it was just an ugly fight all around just in a black mark on baseball that day that was a just a out of control game all over though, also voiced a character in the tv show king of the hill i have not yeah. i i like that show i have not seen this episode but he apparently came in as a ringer for a opposition's softball team who were playing the strickland propane softball team you do know, of course, with the Strickland Propane softball team, uh, what they sell.
1: Do they sell antacids? No,
0: <laughs> oh, they sell propane and
1: propane accessories.
0: Oh. oh, I get it. So I think his wife was uh, also had a brief cameo in that.
1: All right. One little addition to uh, uh, Kurt Bavakwa's biography, just to throw this in there. Uh, he was actually the fourth member of the Seattle Mariners. The uh, Mariners had purchased his contract from the Brewers even before the expansion draft. So he was uh, an early member of the Mariners, never played a single game for him. He, in fact, he has a Seattle Mariners card, 1977 tops. Yeah, just
0: team. like Lou Pennell, who's got the Pilots card, though. He never played That's right.
1: for <laughs> Exactly like that.
0: Doing a little bit of research on him, just for this little segment, he has got a lot of information. <laughs> he is a character. Oh, Definitely. So we got one more uh, one more debut from June twenty second in two thousand and seven. And mark, you're you're very familiar with this guy. Ryan Roland Smith made his debut
1: mm-hmm.
0: for the Seattle Mariners, the first hyphenated name in Major League Baseball. That's right. Lot of lot of letters on the back of his jersey. I'm I'm currently I'm waiting for the first hyphenated last name that also has a junior or senior or the third or something like that on the back. Just to see how much, how much, how much of an arc that name will will cause on the back of the jersey. Ryan roland Smith, first strikeout victim in the big leagues. Any idea who it was?
1: Uh, not a clue. It's
0: Ken Griffey Jr. Oh wow! And then That's a good start. Yeah, then they became friends, and uh, Griffey actually attended Ryan roland Smith's wedding. Uh, yes. Also. Was on the uh, Seattle qualifier of the 2019 American Ninja Warrior.
1: Oh, that's right. I remember that.
0: And I knew he was going to be on it because he's on the Mariners broadcast. And I I remember him talking about it. And my wife loves that show. I'm not not such a fan. But I kept, when she was watching it, I kept looking out for him because I wanted to see what he did. Finally figured it out. I finally watched a video in preparation for this. He made it past the first obstacle in the qualifying round, but the lunatic ledges got him the second obstacle. And he, he took a
1: swim and was. Is that what they're called? The lunatic ledges? Well, it, it changes the course
0: changes oh. every, you know, depending on what city they're in. It's, it's, it's always different.
1: Cause there's a, there's a little housing complex, not too far from me called the, the lunatic ledges. <laughs> a, oh. I think that's actually a, a sanitarium. Oh, Oh, that totally makes sense now. Yeah, okay, that's, that's, I think that's what
0: it is. All right, let's get into... See how timely that was, too. Those were things that were taking place today. Uh, Every Seinf- one of them. Seinfeld thing was a week ago. Uh, t- the trivia question I asked last week was in honor of Father's Day, which we just had, how many players have played in the big leagues this season who had fathers that also played in the big leagues? And I did qualify as saying... Anybody that has appeared in a major league game this year whose father played, how many? I don't need all of the names, but just how many are there? And you came in with the answer of twelve last week. Right. And and that was that is wrong. Uh we we got as usual. Yeah, we got several responses, but we had only this is a rarity, we only had one one person, one listener that got it right this week. It's several guesses of people just throwing numbers out there. But Brian Krause came in with the correct number, and that is 22. Ooh. Now, Brian originally sent me 23, and I know, I mean, he told me how he got it, and I, I knew that this was going to trip somebody up because Robinson Cano had a fought. Fa- his father played in the big leagues, but Cano has not played in the bigs this year because he's serving as suspension. So it's 22. I'll rattle them off here really quick. Last week, I gave everybody Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Kevin Biggio, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., Bo Bichette. These are the ones I didn't give you. So Des Cameron, who's Mike Cameron's son, Cam Bedrosian, Steve Bedrosian's son, Cody Bellinger, his father was Clay Bellinger, Michael Brantley, Mickey Brantley, Drew Butera, and I didn't know this, Sal Butera was his father. I remember Sal, but i didn't know that they were related uh, cj cron his father was chris cj has a brother that's been in the big leagues but he's in japan this year so that was also a tricky one luke farrell his father was john hunter harvey who is brian harvey's son i didn't know that one cabrian hayes i think i'm saying that right that's charlie hayes's right. son
1: didn't know that one. i didn't even know that yeah I mean, I've been watching Brian because he's he's making a, a case for himself for Rookie of the Year. But
0: I, I don't, I couldn't even tell you what team he's on. Who, who's he play for?
1: Um, Pittsburgh. Well, that would be why I couldn't
0: tell you what team he's on. Lance McCullers, Jr. That's kind of an obvious one who his father was. Uh, Hobie Milner is Brian Milner's son. Well, I'm not familiar with either of them, but there you go. Adalberto Mondesi. Raul's son, Jock Peterson is Stu Peterson's son. Cal Quantrill is Paul Quantrill's son. I didn't know that. Austin Romine is Kevin Romine's son. Travis Shaw, Jeff Shaw, Dalton Varsho is Gary Varsho's son, and then finally Chad Wallach is Tim Wallach's son.
1: So you know some of those I should have put together, but didn't.
0: Exactly, like Cal Quantrill. There, Quantrill's a pretty.
1: Uh, unique last
0: name and of course you know paul quantrell was a great pitcher for the the blue jays for a long time Mm -hmm. like i said there are others that like played last year but haven't appeared in a big league game this year but the correct answer was 22 let's go into our trivia question for next week so this one i'm not sure i'm not sure if this is going to be easy or hard Uh, which team has had the longest streak of not having been no hit. So we know it's not the Mariners. We know it's not the Rangers. Uh, I think <laughs> Cleveland's been no hit this year, I think. I think half the league's been hit this n- no hit this year. But which team has been the longest since they were no hit?
1: That's an excellent question. All right. Well,
0: you put your brain power to that one. And uh, we'll come back next week and we'll let you know. All right. Let us let the ground screw come out and do their thing because we have got something very exciting to talk about today. We are going to talk about the Ryan Sandberg game, and the reason I wanted to do this one is because it's awesome. Also, keeping in that timely topic that we were we were talking about, this game took place June twenty third, nineteen eighty four. So if you're listening to this on our debut day, the anniversary is tomorrow on Wednesday. So as you can guess, something called the Ryan Sandberg game, it
1: involves Ryan Sandberg. Just I was going to guess Vaughn Hayes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so coming into Saturday, June 23rd, 1984, the Cubs were in third place. They were only a game and a half behind the Mets, but they were struggling. They'd lost 10 of their last 16 games. This was the Saturday game, as I mentioned, and it it was the NBC Game of the Week. Now, Mark, you and I have talked about the NBC Game of the Week before. In 1984, especially like for me, who I think I just got to Salt Lake City, and, and I wasn't really watching baseball at this point anyway, but the NBC Game of the Week, that might be the only baseball game I got to see on TV the entire week. So this was a big, big
1: deal. Absolutely.
0: This was back when it was Bob Costas and Tony Kubek, and I remember them specifically doing the game of the week. And then later it became Vin Scully and Joe Garagiola, and both of them, I, both of those teams, I thought were great calling the games. At this point, it was like I said, still Costas and Kubek; they were there. And because this was a national game, Harry Carey, you know, there was no local TV for WGN, so Harry Carey moved over to the radio. For this one and i'm saying that just because i've chose some highlights from this game i've i've and i grabbed the harry Carey version versus the bob costas and tony kubak so let's set the stage here first of all i want to mention the umpires for this game because this is this list of umpires is very impressive first behind home plate is doug harvey i think doug harvey's in the hall of fame as an umpire I'm not sure about that, but I know he is a very I remember him as being like one of the umpires when I first got into baseball at first base. Here's a name everybody's still familiar with. It's Joe West, <laughs> a younger Svelter Joe, oh, boy, West. Joe. Yeah. Yes. Still umpiring just recently um, had the game where he's now umpired more than anybody else. Probably a few too many, if I'm being <laughs> honest. Awful, awful country singer. Inventor of the West Vest as well that umpires wear. At second base was Jerry Crawford. Now, I like Jerry Crawford. I don't think he's umpiring anymore. He was the first umpire I ever interacted with. When I first started the job, I was at uh, at Turner Field doing the rotational signs behind home plate. My very first game, I had a Budweiser sign up that like a quarter of it was white and i was worried because you couldn't have a white sign because the ball might blend in with it that rule has gone out the door but the uh, lineups were exchanged and then after that i ran out and i tapped him on the shoulder and i i said hey jerry is this sign this budweiser okay there's some white in it and i cannot tell you uh, on this show what his response was <laughs> but he was always very nice he came back and talked to us in between innings all the time but Jerry Crawford, and then Bach and Bob Davidson was at third base.
1: Oh, Bach and Bob. Yeah, and we haven't done a story on Bach and Bob yet. I yeah. I'm. Do we do we
0: want to do a story on uh, on an umpire? Well, I mean, I guess we have to. There are uh, some really famous umpires.
1: There's some characters out there.
0: Yeah. So there was a Bach called in this game. I don't know who called it, but uh, there there was one Bach in this game. We'll just go ahead and attribute it to to Bob. The four really well-known names on the bases, at least for me, in terms of umpires. On the bump for the Cardinals in making his first ever Major League Baseball start was Ralph Citarella, known probably best for being the heir to the insect-repelling Candle Fortune, but also, (laughs) uh, uh, I'm I'm making that up, Uh, but this was his first Major League start. I don't think it was his debut, but it was his first start. For the Cubs, on the mound was none other than Mike Trout. Wait, okay, wait. No, I'm being told it was actually Steve Trout. Yes, yeah, Steve Trout. Oh, uh, yeah. that's a little different. Yeah, a little, little bit different. Mike Trout, though, might have had a little bit better luck as Steve only lasted an inning in the third. He gave up seven runs on five hits and three walks. So this game got ugly early for the Cubs. After two innings, it was 7-1 to one, St. Louis on top. Let's fast forward though to the bottom of the sixth inning. The score now is nine to three for St. Louis. Willie McGee is batting third. Not the typical spot I would think of when I think of Willie McGee hitting, but he was on fire at this point. He was already three for three in the game with a single, a triple, and a home run, five ribs already, and we're only in the sixth inning. Cinderella is still in the game for St. Louis. That kind of sounds like Cinderella, but no, it's, it's Cinderella is still in the game for St. Louis. Doesn't make it out of this inning, though. After a couple of walks, a hit batter, an RBI single from Richie the Undertaker Hebner, and a double by Bob Dernier, that scores two. Here comes Ryan Sandberg. So far, Rhino was two for three, two RBIs. And he added to those totals with a single that scored two more runs to cut the Cardinal lead now to nine to eight. So it's now a one-run ball game. Bruce Souter is summoned for St. Louis in the bottom of the seventh to shut down the Cubs. And he does just that, retiring four straight Cubs and getting the game to the bottom of the ninth. So it's still nine to eight, Cardinals lead, but then that guy comes up to lead off the bottom of the ninth. If you're gonna call this game the Ryan Sandberg game, you gotta guess that Ryan Sandberg had a pretty big part in it. Here comes Rhino against Bruce Suter. So I can't be sure, but I think Rhino hit a home run there. Okay, so Rhino obviously goes yard, ties the ball game in the bottom of the ninth. Souter struggled to get through the rest of the inning, but he managed to do so. And the game was still tied at nine. So we're going to extra frames. Top of the 10th inning now, Lee Smith is now pitching for the Cubs. And the guy for the Cardinals that might have had this game named after him, had it gone the other way, comes to the plate. That's Willie McGee. Ozzie Smith is on second and Willie just needs a double to complete the cycle but more importantly there's a duck on the pond here in extra innings and uh, here is Mr. Willie McGee.
1: Paul Lanier, the third base coach, the pitch.
0: So, uh, as you could hear, McGee with a double that, uh, most importantly, it scored Ozzie Smith to give the Cardinals the lead. McGee would also come around eventually to score, and we go to the bottom of the 10th. The card's now leading by two. And that double, by the way, completed the cycle for Willie McGee. So he needed extra frames, but he got it. The cycle for Willie McGee had a great game. So Suter, though, comes back out to start the inning. He's already thrown two and a third innings. He retires the first two batters before walking Dernier and bringing to the plate, once again, Ryan Sandberg. Now, the great thing about baseball is it is never truly over until the final out is called. Bob Costas on the NBC broadcast is reading credits. He's already, he's ready to go on. They've got a, a boxing match from South America that they're getting ready to cut to as soon as this game is over. They've already named the player of the game. Willie McGee is officially the NBC player of the game for this game. But being down two for Rhino, that's no problem as he came to the plate with a runner on base. So Rhino took Suter deep for the second time and once again has tied this game up now at 11. If you're not familiar with Bruce Suter, he was basically the Mariano Rivera of his day. Souter only allowed 77 home runs over 1,042 innings pitched in his 12-year Major League Baseball career. That's an average of one home run every 13 and two-thirds innings. Yet he's given wow. up two to Rhino in this one game. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he just... Ryan Sandberg obviously had a just... He was proverbial beach ball coming into him every every at-bat this game. So Lee Smith took care of the cards in the top of the 11th. Leon Durham leads off the bottom of the frame for the Cubs. He walks and then steals a base. Now, if you're nicknamed the Bull... I generally don't figure you're going to be running much, but he did. He stole the base and then he advanced to third when the throw from the bespectacled Daryl Porter got away from the second baseman. Later, two intentional walks loaded the bases for pinch hitter Dave Owen. So against the drawn-in infield, Owen poked a sharp single to right. That scored the bowl and finally ended this marathon with the Cubs somehow on top, their first lead of the entire afternoon. But they ended up winning the game 12-11. to Lee Smith got the win. I wanted to look at the time of the game because this was, you know, this was 1984. It was a 12-inning game. It was still f- almost four hours, three hours and 53 minutes. So it was a long game, but there were a lot of runs, a lot of hits and a lot of walks.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a nightmare. It's
0: been fun to be at, let me say that. Watching right, the video right. of this game, I think there was a rule in the uh in the bleachers at Wrigley that if you are male, you were not allowed to wear a shirt because <laughs> there is not a That's single That's unfortunate. <laughs> well, yeah, it was. I was I was watching the video.
1: Well, good news is there was no high def back then, so. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, so Willie McGee, I mentioned Willie had a game. He went four for six, hit for the cycle, six RBIs, three runs scored. Just an incredible game for Willie McGee. Ozzie Smith also had a game. He went two for four. He stole two bases, but he also was just incredible. I, you say incredible on defense in Ozzy Smith, and that's kind of duh. But, I mean, he made some great plays that that kept the Cardinals in this. It was really fun to watch him play defense. Uh, The only thing, though, that Ryan Sandberg didn't do in this game that he famously did more than anybody else in 1984 was hit a triple. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Remember, he somehow hit 19 of them this year, 11 more than he would manage in any other season in his career.
1: Yeah, that's that's an amazing stat right there. I love that one. Yeah, that one is just crazy. Uh, Sandberg did
0: go on to be named National League MVP this year, and the Cubs ended up winning the division. Sandberg's WPA for this game was one point zero six. To have a WPA for a single game that is above one is absolutely crazy. Willie McGee, who I told I, I just told you, what a crazy. Incredibly good game he had his WPA was 0. 0.36 quite a bit lower than the 1.06 yeah quite a bit so again this this could very well have been named the Willie McGee game but uh, the, the Cubs obviously came out on top and Sandberg with just two huge clutch home runs I remember I saw a quote from from Rhino about this game where he said you know this game in bruce Souter's career meant nothing but for me it made my career well stated yeah i mean he also uh, made a joke that he sees steve trout at a lot of uh cub conventions and so forth and steve trout likes to uh, brag to sandberg that he, the sandberg game would have not happened had trout not been so awful and given up all those runs early that uh, made them have to come back all right so there you go there is the ryan sandberg game anniversary on the
1: 23rd so make a cake and with the cubs logo <laughs> or or oh, you right.
0: put a rhinoceros on it one or the
1: other <laughs> all right
0: mark it is time to head into the final segment of the show it is the segment that uh, we have dubbed and we will continue to call wax packs <laughs> So we're still in spring training here for this new season. You are the two-time defending champ. We're still kind of kicking around some new rules. We put a call out last week to see if any of our listeners had some suggestions for rules. We got a couple um, that, were, that were kind of kicking around. We got uh, things about uh, flags being in the background. Uh, we got one about uh, maybe doing uh, spring training being extra points. One listener suggested if the pitcher uh, on the card has got a bat in their hand, uh, that we uh, that we give you some extra points for that. So we're still trying to come up with some. We we don't want to have too many rules because it just takes too long to go through and and remember. But we're going to implement a new rule today that we're going to try out. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna pretend like we're the, an independent league trying out new rules. So today, Mark, what we are going to try out is you and I are both going to pick a team. The team that you pick, if uh, you draw a player from that team, we're going to give you a half a point a war. So this is a big deal. You're going to get five-tenths of a point of war. If you, let's say you pick the Cleveland Spiders and I draw a Cleveland Spiders, you're going to get automatically a half a point of war for that. Now, on the flip side, though, if when I am looking at my cards, if I draw a Cleveland Spiders, I'm going to minus that half a point of war. So there's a little bit of danger here.
1: It's trepidious territory, I'm telling you.
0: So we're going to implement that just in this game today, see how it works out. Our other rules are, of course, if you've got a mustache, you get an extra tenth of a point of war. It's a really good one. It can give you an additional tenth of a point of that. So you can have a two-tenths of a point mustache. Also, if you've got glasses on of any sort, eyewear of any sort, scuba diving gear, as long as it's covering your eyes, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point of war. If you are wearing real stirrups that we can see, we can see some white from the sanitaries underneath them, you're going to get a tenth of a point of war. But if they are the dreaded two and ones, we're going to minus a tenth of a point of war. If you are wearing sweatbands with your jersey number, a corporate logo, or most importantly, a caricature of yourself, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point of war for each of those. And if you have since gone on to be included into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, we're going to give you a whole tenth of a point of war. So, Mark, I have got uh, this set of 1997 Dawn Russ, not a set, but a couple of packs here. And we're going to go through these again. These are always fun because 97s a year we don't do very often. I've got a pack in my left hand and my right
1: hand. Which one would you like to go with? You know, I'm going to go. I've been going right, right, right. I think it's about time to switch. Uh, let's go left.
0: All right. You went left last week, but still, nonetheless, we'll switch it up and uh <laughs> let's see here now these are those special packs that i've got to use scissors to get open which is really scary
1: because oh it's fun yes oh uh
0: i forgot we gotta we gotta name our teams oh okay yes so uh what team are you going to uh what team are you going to claim
1: well this is gonna shock some folks but i'm gonna go with the seattle mariners all right and, and
0: you know i i'm i'm gonna really change it up here i'm gonna go with the oakland a's
1: Whoa, where'd that come from? Yeah,
0: so any card you get from the Seattle Mariners, you're gonna get extra 10th of a point, but any member of the A's that we pull, you're gonna minus that half of a point of war. Uh, Just a reminder, beyond that, we are going to be using the baseball reference war for the year of the pack, so it'll be 1997. We're gonna be looking at the player's war. All right, now these are, oh, there we go. That's not my back. That is these high gloss cards that I'm trying to uh, separate from one another. Now, this is good news for you because you picked the Seattle Mariners, and right off the bat, you got the old man Mariner. You've got Jamie Moyer.
1: Nice. That's a good start. Yes.
0: So at this point, Moyer had been in the league for uh, 742 years, and he was only halfway mm-hmm. through his career. Let's see. In 1997, this was uh, his second year in Seattle. He went 17-5 and with a 3.86 ERA. And an ERA plus of 116. That bodes very well for you. Wow, yeah. That is a war of 3.7. He's got real stirrups on. And of course, he is a Mariner, which is the team that you picked. So that is right off of the bat, a
1: 4.3
0: right out of the gate for
1: you. That's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah. Now, of course, Jamie Moyer holds the major league record for the most uh, home runs given up in his career with 522
1: that's that's a lot.
0: Including 44 in the 2004 season. That, wow. That's a
1: lot of home runs. You had a 25-year career.
0: And we talked about this before. Harry Carey uh, introduced Jamie to his future wife. Yes. Harry Carey's been around a bit uh, today on our, on our show. But uh, there you go. So Jamie Moyer uh, gets you 4.3 right off the bat. Next, we have got a... When I think of pitchers that hit home runs, this guy certainly did. Uh, I remember him with the Rockies, the Braves, and here with the Astros, it's Mike Hampton.
1: Oh, man, Mike Hampton had some good years for the stros uh,
0: Wasn't Mike Hampton a... He was the pitching coach for
1: somebody recently.
0: Mike Hampton in 1997... So Hampton came up with the Mariners in 93. He only spent one year there. Then he went to Houston, where he spent seven years of his 16-year career. He went 15-10 this year with an ERA plus of 104. That equates to a war of 1.7. I cannot see any real stirrups here, but I can't see two and ones either. Let's just take a look at his batting here for 1997. He hit 137. So for a pitcher, that's like hitting 237. No home runs, but he had eight RBIs. He hit 16 home runs in his career, including. So his first year in Colorado, 2001, he hit seven home runs in one year. That's incredible!
1: Wow. yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's a guy that likes to hit. I remember hearing about how much he loved to hit, and uh, I did a little research and found out that he uh, he's just a pure athlete. He played uh, football, college football, but not like he wasn't a wide receiver or running back. He was actually a safety. Wow! So you got to have speed and and you know be big enough to hit somebody. So yeah, total athlete this guy.
0: Yeah. So that's weird. I mean, it, it says here that his last uh, years of coaching. Uh, was uh, as the bullpen coach for the Mariners.
1: I kind of remember
0: that, but he's it, not since 2017, which is weird. I thought I thought he would it was just recently somewhere. So uh, that will bring that 1.7 brings you up to six even. Uh, next we've got this is weird. I don't remember Tony Phillips with
1: the Chicago White Sox, but here he is. Uh, Tony Phillips is always an Oakland athletic as far as I remember.
0: Well, he was definitely on uh, on those teams in the late 80s, a big part of that, a big utility guy, a member of the 89 World Series team with the A's. After that, he went to Detroit, where he was in Detroit for five years. He was with the A's for nine. He came back his final year in 1999, but uh, he had an 18-year career. That's a pretty good career. In 97, he split time between the White Sox and the Angels, Ended up with a 106 OPS plus that year. He led the league in in walks two two times, in 93 and 96. That equates to a war of 2.6. He's got a mustache, so that's good news, but he's also got two and ones. So that's just going to be a plus 2.6 for you there. That'll bring you up to 8.6 overall. Nothing wrong with that. All right, so you're at 8.6. Next, you this is one of your favorite guys. These, if you were putting a team together, so far, this has been a great pack. Here he is with the San Diego Padres. It's Steve Finley.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I got the soft spot for Mr. Finley. Um, great defensive outfielder, good arm, and he could hit, hit a little bit too.
0: Good career. 19 years in the big leagues. 1997 was his first year as an all-star with the Padres. 28 home runs, that is not bad. 15 stolen bases, an OPS plus of 110, and that equates to a war of 1.5. Uh, he Okay, I'm going to give this to you. He's got sunglasses, but they're up on his hat. Like he's not mm-hmm. wearing them, but we'll still give it to you. So that is a 1.6. Steve Finley, he was on that, uh, yeah, he was on the
1: 2001 D-backs World Series team. Yes, that's right. That's
0: where I think, when I think of Steve Finley, I think of the Diamondbacks still.
1: But, yeah, he's. I think he's most remembered for being on the Diamondbacks, some good teams there, and and uh, so on. But uh, I, I will always know him as a Houston Astro.
0: Yeah, I remember the Astros and uh, and the Padres too. I think was he on that Padres team that went to the World Series but they lost? <laughs> yeah, he was on that '98 World Series team with the Padres where they lost to the Yankees. Okay. Good career there. Okay, next. Uh, here's your catching position. It's Fruit Loops here though with the Rangers, which I don't remember. Cattleton? Yeah.
1: Well, you want on base percentage, I bet he's got it.
0: Let's see, Mickey Tattleton, three-time Silver Slugger, two-time All-Star, 1997, this was his final year in the big leagues, his third with the Rangers. He only appeared in 17 games, hit 091 for an OPS plus of 21. So <laughs> not, uh, this was your typical, he was a 36-year-old catcher at this point.
1: Just sticking around sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I'm guessing he probably got hurt and then he just hung it up. That equates a war of minus 0.5, and there's nothing on this card that's going to help you, so that's just going to be a a minus 0.5. Switch hitting catcher.
1: Yes, switch hitting catcher, very rare. A little bit of pop, uh, actually quite a bit of pop, Um, but I like to point out his 1992 season where he had 125 hits, 122 walks, so that's interesting.
0: (laughs) Very unique batting stance, remember? He used to hold Uh that bat almost straight up and down. Way up in the air, yeah. And then, uh, as we mentioned, Fruit Loops, he claimed, was the source of his power at the plate. Uh, Tettleton also uh, in the film Little Big League. Oh, I, don't, I I need to watch that film again because I haven't seen that for a while. And I know there were, I know Griffey was in it. I know a ton of players were in that one. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's minus 0.5. So that takes you down to 9.7. Next, you've got a great power hitting outfielder for the Cardinals, Ray Lankford.
1: Oh, man, I loved Ray Lankford.
0: Let's see. Ray Lankford. It was only an all-star one time in his career, but it was 1997. So you got that going for you. 14-year career, 159 OPS plus, received some MVP votes this year, had 98 RBI, 31 home runs, 36 doubles, 21 stolen bases, and get this, a 411 on-base percentage.
1: Wow. Wow.
0: That's an elite on-base percentage right there.
1: Very much so, yeah.
0: 5.3 war for you. He's got a mustache as well. So that'll get you up to 5.4, and uh, that'll take you up to 15.1. Not bad so far.
1: Ray was a good defender, pretty flashy out there at times, too. Uh,
0: you go from one cardinal to another. This is first baseman. I think he was a first baseman. Uh, John Mabry.
1: Yes. Left-handed hitter. A little bit of power. Hit for more for average, though. He was on that uh, Oakland team in, in uh, what was it, 02? Yep. He got traded to Oakland.
0: Yep, 2002, he started with Phillies and then came over to Oakland. Did okay, 275. A 122 OPS plus that year in 89 games. Hit 11 long balls for him. Um, But in 1997, he did okay. Yeah, not much power. He only had four years where he hit double digits. Had five home runs, 36 RBIs in 116 games. Hit 284. He's one of those first basemen that didn't have the pop at this point. Right. 91 OPS plus, and that equals a war of 0.3. Nothing you're gonna get here. He's got the uh, pants tucked into the high tops, which should be a minus, but we're not gonna do that. So you're gonna get a plus 0.3 out of that. That'll bring you up to 15.4. Okay, now this, wow, maybe we should give you uh, extra points for this. I mean, he is a hall of famer already, but we also did an entire segment on him earlier in the show. (laughs) you've got mr ryan sandberg
1: one of our heroes yeah that's pretty cool that uh folks that was not a setup that was just a happy circumstance right there i know you're all thinking you guys put that in the pack just to fool us no no
0: well i would have certainly put him in my pack (laughs) (laughs) all right so we talked about 1984 1997 was rhinos last year in the big leagues But uh, unlike Mickey Tettleton, he still did pretty, uh, had pretty good numbers. 130, uh, he played in 135 games, hit 12 home runs, 64 RBIs, and uh, had an OPS plus of 83. This was, as I mentioned, his final year. Still posted a war of 0.8. He is a Hall of Famer, so that's 1.8. That is the only extra thing you're going to get out of that. But uh, we don't need to go into his numbers. We've been talking about him this whole show, but that's... uh, kind of cool that we pulled him during our ryan sandberg game
1: episode good timing
0: all right so you're going to go from one hall of famer to another and here he is with baltimore it's eddie murray
1: man eddie switch hitting legend
0: yeah eddie murray always looked grumpy always looked grumpy and did not like the press but he was one heck of a player eight-time all-star rookie of the year won a world series in 1983 three gold gloves three silver sluggers A member of those Orioles teams, as I mentioned, the 83 Orioles team uh, that won the World Series, came in second in the MVP voting two years in a row in 82 and 83. In 1997, it was his final year in the big leagues. He split it between the Angels and the Dodgers. So he's kind of like Pujols this year. Uh, Overall, though, only a 55 OPS plus for the year. Didn't appear in many games. And that equates to a war of minus 0.1. Ouch. Of course, he's a Hall of Famer, so that'll wipe that out. And he does have that mustache, as he always did. So he's still going to get you a tenth of a point of war.
1: Eddie Murray, of course, a member of the very elite 500 Home Run Club.
0: Oh, this is kind of cool. The Union Craft Brewery in Baltimore made a wheat IPA named after him called Steady Eddie. (laughs) That's awesome. And uh, the Orioles have a, a statue of him at Camden Yards. And uh, so you got plus 0.1 out of that. That'll bring you up to 17.3. Next, we have got second baseman for the New York Mets. I believe this was called, like, one of the best infields of all time at one point when they were all playing together. Here is Carlos Baerga. He's Baerga. Yeah,
1: he he was a solid ball player.
0: So you got Carlos Baerga here. He, uh, three-time All-Star. And in 1997, he appeared in 133 games for the Mets. He, you know, this is a pretty standard year, not a lot of pop. He had some hit some home runs early in his career, but then injuries really slowed him down. Nine home runs, 52 RBIs, uh, OPS of 707, OPS plus of 87. And that equates to a war of 1.1. Here's where you'll make up some ground. He's got sunglasses and he's got a mustache. So that'll get you a plus 1.3 and that'll bring you up to 18.6.
1: Yeah, he uh, did get MVP votes in 92 and 93. So he had and a silver slugger in 93, so he 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 definitely could hit.
0: Sounds, he's on those those Ricky Mets as well.
1: Yep. That's all right. right.
0: Well, you have got a lot of hall of famers in this uh, in this pack, I'm not going to lie. Next, here he is with Cleveland Jim
1: Tome. Well, you got to love this guy. Pure power, just all around good ball player. I don't think he ever got in any trouble either. Walked a lot.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I I don't remember Jim Tomey ever getting in any trouble. Uh, Led the league in walks and strikeouts for several years in a row. 1997 was the first year that he was an all-star. He was with Cleveland. He hit 40 home runs, 102 RBIs, led the league with 120 walks, and had an OPS plus of 156, came in sixth in the MVP voting. 22-year career. And in 1997, that equates to a war of 5.5. He wow. is, is, as we said, in the Hall of Fame. He, he's got his socks pulled up the whole way, so I can't tell anything there. So you're going to get a 6.5 out of that, which is very wow. nice. That'll bring your total up to 25.1. He was one of the few players that, whose prime was during the steroid era who was never suspected of using steroids. Right. Uh, it was reported that shortly after his nephew Brandon was paralyzed in an accident, he hissed he asked Tomei to hit a home run for him. Tomei obliged, hitting two in the next game.
1: Well, that was nice of him. Yeah.
0: Just, Paul O'Neill couldn't do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nope, only a triple and an error.
0: Well, that was another rule we were going we to try to implement. If you'd been on a Seinfeld episode, you were going uh, to right. get extra points. So Tomei wasn't, but we're, we're referencing one there. All right. So uh, you've got a couple of cards left here. Here is somebody that uh, is mentioned for the Hall of Fame every year. And he was a great player. But he, uh, speaking of steroids, is one of those guys who everybody is pretty sure was using the juice. It is Gary Sheffield.
1: Uh, man, I used to be a big fan of Gary Sheffield. He's uh, he just was he was one of those guys. Wasn't he like 40 40 maybe he didn't get to 40 40 but he was a, he could steal bases and hit home runs
0: uh so his highest stolen base total, he did it twice where he swiped 22 so he was a, okay. definitely a 2020 guy yeah but he hit 509 career home runs so there's that that magical 500 mark that you mentioned with eddie murray that used to be just automatic first ballot hall of famer if you hit over 500 home runs In 22 years, though, he hit 509, career batting average of 292, career OPS plus of 140. But because of those steroid allegations, he is not in the Hall of Fame. That's right. 1997, he was on the Marlins, who, of course, won the World Series that year. So you got that going for you. 135 games, 21 home runs, 71 RBIs, and an OPS plus of 134. And that equates to a war of only 2.6. But you're going to get some extra points here. Probably not as many as you could. He's got the high tops with the pants tucked in. So I can't see there. He does not have enough facial hair to qualify for a mustache. But he does have a caricature of himself on his sweatband. So that'll get you a plus 2.7.
1: Nice. I'll take it.
0: Yes, that's 27.8. I remember when he was on the, the, the Braves when I was there. And I'm sure probably fans did this every team he went to, but there were some guys that would go sit in the very top row of the right field stands because Sheffield was playing right at that point. And they wore chef's hats and aprons and they were called chef's
1: chefs. Awesome.
0: I also remember when he was on the Tigers, I had to make some special graphics for him because he was having such an awful year they didn't want to put up his season stats. Whenever he'd come up we would show his career numbers versus his current season numbers, which I've never seen before or since then. That's funny. He was did not want to show those. Two cards left. here you go. Uh, this is a sharp looking mustache here. I think you're gonna get two tenths of a point for the giant for the Giants Marvin Bernard.
1: Marvin Bernard.
0: Bernard, I remember, I mean, he. I, I feel like he was with the Giants forever. So nine-year career, all nine with the Giants.
1: There you go.
0: I just remember this guy. He would play every outfield position. Uh, he, was, he looks like he was a st- regular starter for a couple of years. 1997, he appeared in 84 games, only a 62 OPS plus. And that equates to a war of minus 0.2. But he has got that fantastic mustache. So that's going to be a a push for you there.
1: I'll take that. Yeah,
0: that mustache helped you out. All right, and your final card, uh, with a 27.8 total going into this, I just mentioned this guy on a Twitter thread I was uh, included in the other day. Here he is with Cleveland. He also played for the Braves uh, while I was there. It's Brian Giles.
1: Brian Giles. Why do I want to say uh, Pirates?
0: Uh, Well, because Brian Giles was with the Pirates for a while. Or I'm sorry, and Marcus Giles was who played for the Braves when I was there, not, uh, not uh, his brother Brian. So came up with Cleveland. He spent seven years in San Diego, five in Pittsburgh, and four in Cleveland. I remember all of those stopped because I always liked Brian Giles. I think he got into some uh, domestic problems off the field, so we probably won't talk a whole lot about that. But uh, in 96, it was his third year in the big leagues, his first year as a regular starter, and ended up with a 112 OPS plus, And that equals a war of 2.0. Very nice. Uh, you're not going to get anything else from this card, though. I can't see anything else
1: there that's going to help you.
0: But uh, and even 2.0, that takes your total up to 29.8.
1: It's a very wow. good total. Yeah, I'm not upset about it.
0: You know, we, we like to be positive here, and we don't like to promote bad guys off the field, so we're not going to talk about all of Brian Giles' things going on off the field. But one of them, however, did he lost more than just money. He lost his Nair Hair Removal Products endorsement, which I cannot remember ever seeing a guy endorse Nair. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, Brian Giles did at one point, and he paid the price.
1: What, what do you... OK, I'm, I'm not sure what he's using Nair on, like like on his head, <laughs> shaving like his legs. That's bizarre. Rafael Palmero did commercials for Viagra. What's so wrong with Nair?
0: I don't know. I just don't know a lot of guys that aren't swimmers that use Nair.
1: Yeah. You don't put that on your head? No,
0: <laughs> I, I don't have to shave very often either. It just doesn't come back. All right. So you're at uh, twenty nine point eight. That's going to be a tough one to uh, tough one to beat. But let's uh, let's cut open this next pack. Remember, I chose the A's. You chose the Mariners. Let's yes. crack these cards a little bit. Oh, boy, that is, <laughs> and they are still like stuck to each other. All right, let's see. Now you had like several Hall of Famers. You got off the bat good with Jamie Jamie Moyer, and I'm starting with uh, Astros uh, center fielder Ray Montgomery.
1: Um, wait a minute, wasn't that the star of Bewitched, Elizabeth Montgomery? Elizabeth Montgomery, yes. I was close.
0: Uh, Ray Montgomery. I I do not remember this name at all. He appeared in the big leagues for three years. All of it was with Houston in 1997. He appeared in 29 games, had an OPS plus of 60 and a war of minus 0.1. And there is nothing on this card that is going to help me in any way. So once again, I am, I'm starting off in the negative. I think last week, didn't I? I was like at negative one. Like I was at a a whole number.
1: You know, I was just thinking, what if Daryl Ward played for the same team as Montgomery and they batted one after the other in the lineup, Montgomery Ward, that would be kind of cool.
0: Yeah. Did you see the, for the Charlotte Knights this week, they're the AAA club for the uh, Chicago White Sox. They have got a guy in the lineup. His last name is Berger and they've got another guy that started with him. Whose last name is Fry. Awesome. They got to have a, a value meal whenever they're in the lineup. Something like that. That's awesome all right so uh thanks a lot ray montgomery all right next well he's not a hall of famer do we get extra points if we've done an episode entirely on this player maybe let maybe me think that uh, that no. might be something that we want to add into the rules because i've got fernando valenzuela here with the padres
1: oh, yeah oh yeah you did a fernando mania
0: all right, so Fernando, of course, obviously you think of him as a Dodger. 1997 was his, was his final year in the big leagues. He split it with the Padres and the Cardinals, and it didn't go well either place. He ended up with a 2-12 and record and an ERA plus of 81. Of course, Fernando, 17 years in the big leagues. A lot of very impressive years with the Dodgers. Maybe if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to that Fernando Mania episode. That was a lot of fun. In 1997, this equates to a war of minus 0.5. Um, and, and of course, he's wearing the two-in-one stirrups. So uh, that's a minus 0.6, and I am once again headed in the wrong direction. Oops. All right, we don't need to go into any other stuff uh, because we've covered it all on that other episode. So we'll go straight into my next card, and it is outfielder for the Rangers. I think of this guy meaning use a brewer. It's Daryl Hamilton.
1: Yeah, I think of Hamilton as a Brewer, too.
0: Let's see. So Daryl Hamilton uh, played 13 years in the big leagues, seven of which were with the Brewers. Here with the Rangers in 97. Actually, 96, he was with the Rangers. 97, he spent the year with the Giants. He had an okay year, ended up with a 91 OPS plus, uh, 43 RBIs, 15 stolen bases, but he was caught 10 times. That's not good. 61 walks, 61 strikeouts. All of that equates to a war of .5, so you know I'm happy with that at least. Uh, I'm not going to get anything else. Uh, this is a good-looking card, though. The Rangers were wearing uh, throwback jerseys here, so he's got those stirrups pulled or the, the the I say stirrups, they're colored socks pulled the whole way up. But that doesn't help me at all. It'll at least get me to to only minus .2. There's
1: something interesting, Jeff. Speaking of Fernando, there's actually one player right now that does throw the screwball. And that's Hector Santiago.
0: I thought we talked about a couple of weeks ago that somebody else had come up with the brewers this year that featured a screwball.
1: Yeah, um, if so, didn't see it, but I believe you. I think we did talk about that now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah? it was
0: like the I think it was even the week after we did Fernando. All right, this guy. Wow, we've talked about this guy a lot. I I talked to him about him a lot because he was the third base coach for the A's for several years. He's now in the second year of being the manager for the Kia Tigers in the Korean league. He's nicknamed the big Marine, even though he was never in the Marines, Matt Williams.
1: Oh, Matt Williams. Yeah, we have talked about him. Good, solid defender at third base with a lot of power.
0: Uh, Four-time Gold Glove winner, four-time Silver Slugger winner. 2001, he was on the Diamondbacks, that uh, team that we talked about earlier that won the World Series. 1997, his lone season with Cleveland, who also went to the World Series that year. Matt Williams was one of the answers to uh, name a player that hit a home run in the World Series in three different decades. He, uh, in uh, 89 with the Giants, 97 with the Indians, and then 2001 with the D-backs. So 1997, good year. 32 home runs, 105 RBIs, ended up with a 101 OPS+. plus. All of that equals a war of 4.3 because of that defense. Uh, he's got flip down sunglasses and he's got real stirrups here. So that'll get me a 4.5. Nice. That's, that's very nice. That'll bring me up out of the negative and I'm at positive 4.3 now. So we've talked about Matt quite a bit. So we'll go on to my next card and it is uh, one of the Benes brothers. Here he is with the Cardinals, it's Andy Benes.
1: I remember when there was a big deal and the Mariners traded for Andy Bennis and it was like one of the first big trades the Mariners ever made.
0: Yeah, so remember Andy Bennis was picked number one overall in 1988 (sighs) by the Padres. Pitched for San Diego for seven years and then he was traded in the middle of the 95 season to the Mariners. He ended up going seven and two that year but the ERA was a 5.86. That's an ERA plus of 82. So you got a lot of run support, I'll say that. I guess so. <laughs> Let's see, ninety-seven. He was uh, in his second full year with the Cardinals. He went ten and seven with a three-point-ten ERA and a one-thirty-five ERA plus. That equates to a WAR of four-point-one. Wow. Uh, nothing else on this card's going to help me at all, but uh, four-point-one uh, almost doubles my score. I'm up to eight-point-four now. Oh, this is interesting. Todd Jones. Do you remember Todd Jones? reliever. Oh, uh, I think of him with the Tigers more than anything. So he wrote a column for the Sporting News in 2004, and he wrote, this is kind of weird, that he he found a tell in Bennis that he shared with his teammates that Bennis would grit his teeth when preparing to throw a slider. And so everybody knew when he was going to throw a slider. Maybe that happened in Seattle.
1: Maybe. <laughs> That's a possibility.
0: All right. Next. Well, this will be a fun card. Uh, somebody that, again, every now and then gets mentioned for the Hall of Fame. Here he is with Cleveland. It's Manny being Manny, Manny Ramirez.
1: I don't even know what to say about Manny Ramirez? He is, uh, he is. a character.
0: You know he. Yeah, he. He is. Uh, he. He definitely had fun playing the game. He did his own thing. Mm-hmm. He never really <laughs> let anybody else tell him how to play uh, baseball and he loved to play. He was one of those guys that played anywhere. He played overseas. He, I, I was just another Twitter thread I was on today. Somebody posted a card, a baseball card of him in an A's uniform where he never played for the A's in the big leagues, but he played 19 games for the, uh, for the triple A club one year. Uh, just wow. loved to play the game in 1997. A uh, big year. Uh, no MVP votes. <laughs> he had 26 home runs, batted 328, a 415 on-base percentage, and a 144 OPS+. plus. Didn't receive an MVP vote. Wow. That's kind of weird. Uh, all that equates to a war of 4.6. Nothing on this card is going to get me anything else, but 4.6 is a big number.
1: That works for sure. Take a look at his career numbers, by the way. Amazing. 3.12. Yeah with 555
0: home runs yeah. wow our second guy that has over 500 home runs but because of the steroid allegations not anywhere close to getting in all right so next i have got a hall of famer it is with the uh, texas rangers it's one of the hall of famers nicknamed pudge it's Ivan rodriguez
1: one of the greatest catchers i've ever seen
0: guy had a hose from behind the dish Hall of Famer, MVP, 14-time All-Star. Wow. He was uh, on that 2003 Marlins team that won the World Series, his one year in Florida. 97, he was in the midst of uh, his—he was in Texas for 13 years, uh, including 2009 when he split time between Houston and Texas near the end of his career. But in 1997, he was an All-Star Uh, ops plus of 114 he hit 20 home runs 77 rbi and uh just good numbers all around there let's see that equates to a war of only 6.5 plus he's a hall of famer so that is 7.5 i'm getting some big chunks of ground here that i'm making up after starting in the negative
1: that's a lot of good defense uh pumping up that war yeah
0: now Remember earlier in our trivia question, we asked uh, players that had played this year in the big leagues whose fathers were, had also played. His son was uh, has pitched uh, for a couple of years in the big leagues, Derek Rodriguez. But Derek Rodriguez has not appeared in the big leagues this year. Right. That was one of those guys I had to look up when I was coming up with the answer there. Oh, I remember. I remember this so. Uh, Yvonne Rodriguez married Maribel Rivera on June 20th, 1999, the same night that he got called up to the big leagues for the first time.
1: Wow, what a blissful day. Yeah,
0: that was... <laughs> uh, and then uh, then he made his Major League debut against the White Sox and threw out two base stealers. Beautiful. It's a good uh, good way to start a career. All right, so I'm at 20.5. Your final score was 29.8. This guy might not... Uh, well, it depends on what year it is. This was obviously taken in the same game as that Daryl Hamilton, because uh, it's a Rangers throwback uniform. It is Juan, gone. Juan Gonzalez.
1: Juan Gonzalez, another guy with a ton of great stats, but there's always questions.
0: Oh, yeah. A lot of questions <laughs> about uh, what he put into his body. He ended up with 434 home runs over 17 years. But again, just a lot of steroid acquisi- uh, accusations. 98. He was named MVP. '96, he was named MVP. I sp- uh, I pulled the one year that he didn't name, it wasn't named MVP in that three-year span. Let's see. '97, hit 42 home runs, 131 RBIs, an OPS plus of 131, and that equates to only a 2.7 WAR. He does have a good mustache though, so that's 2.8. Nothing wrong with that, man. But not a great defender.
1: <laughs> no, he was not.
0: Juan, I think, you know, the Rangers and the Tigers are where I mainly remember Juan Gon.
1: Yeah, I remember him definitely as a Ranger.
0: Uh, Also played in Cleveland for a little bit. I guess I remember that vaguely as well. Apparently, Juan Gonzalez was very good friends with former President George W. Bush, of Hmm. course, who, you know, owned the Rangers when when, uh, Gonzo came up. Uh, Gonzalez stated that, quote, a friendship that goes beyond baseball. Mm. So I am now at twenty three point three, and next we have got a pitcher for the Dodgers who infamously tried a roundhouse drop kick during a brawl. I believe it was against the Rangers that we've been talking about. It's Chan Ho Park. Do you remember that brawl?
1: I do. I remember the. I remember the like um, weird Bruce Lee kick. He kind of spun and kicked his leg back.
0: Yeah he, yeah, he missed. Good thing too. Uh, yeah, with those spikes on. Uh, 1997, the first year he really uh, pitched a lot. The first, uh, well, 96, he came out of the bullpen a bit. Uh, 97, he started 29 of 32 games. He went 14 and eight with a 3.38 ERA. That's a ERA plus of 115. And that is good for a war of 3.5. Nothing in the card is going to get me anything extra. But with that, I creep closer. I am now only three points behind you. 17 years in the big leagues for Ho Park, a 124-98 and one-loss record. Okay, next here with the—I'm I'm hoping for an A at some point in this pack so I can get my bonus point. Uh, next for the Chicago White Sox, James Baldwin.
1: Uh, not related to the Baldwin brothers.
0: No, he is definitely looks nothing like the Baldwin brothers. Uh, James Baldwin pitched for 11 years. Most of it was with Chicago. Seven years in Chicago. 1997 he led the league in losses congratulations on that he went 12 and 15 also led the league in wild pitches with 14 this is, does not well bode, does not bode well for me that equates to a war of actually positive 0. 0.5 and he's got a mustache well, that'll get me 0. 0.6 that'll bring me up to 27.4 next we've got a martinez pitching for the dodgers it is ramon martinez
1: Ramon, a fine pitcher in his own right.
0: He definitely is. You know, when you're Pedro Martinez's brother, though, you're probably not, probably won't be remembered quite as much. Also, the cousin of Denny Bautista. Good baseball mm-hmm. family. Nice. Uh, 1997, he went 10 and 5 with the Dodgers, 3.64 ERA, struck out 120 and had an ERA plus of 107. That equates to a war of 1.6. Uh, nothing else really going to get me anything on this. He's got a five o'clock shadow, but it's, it's more like a two thirty shadow. So uh, I'm just going to stick with the 1.6 for the war. That'll bring me up to 29 even with two cards left to go.
1: I need a Mariners card.
0: <laughs> All right. So moving on, I've got two cards left or actually I've got three cards left here. These are sticking together. Third to the last card is with the Boston Red Sox, Tim Naring. Now, see if ever there was a, a player that deserved a, a an endorsement deal from Nair, it would be Tim Nairing. instead uh, that's of a good Brian Giles, but no,
1: Brian yeah, Giles get it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Probably a better player. I'm gonna gonna guess is what they went with. Eight years in the big leagues, eight years in the big leagues for Tim Nairing, all with the Boston Red Sox. Ninety seven was his final year. One seventeen OPS plus. So not bad. Uh, that'll equate to a war of two point three. Oh, I ooh, I can't tell if these are two and ones or not. They're not a straight up and down line, which leads me to believe that they are not two and ones. Uh, I'm yeah, I'm gonna give myself a, a tenth of a point for that. That's all I'm gonna get. But that's plus two point four, and that vaults me into the lead with two cards no. left.
1: We need uh, Mariners and poor performers to get this back.
0: <laughs> well, I have proven that I am very adept at pulling guys with negative war. All right. <laughs> Next, we've got a guy that I believe has had a son play in the big leagues, but I don't think it's this year. Uh, here he is with the Rockies, Eric Young.
1: Uh, yeah, Eric Young. Uh, quick dude. he hit a little too.
0: Yeah, so uh, this is Eric Young Sr., Eric Young Jr., who I think last, uh, didn't he come up with the Rangers? No, know, he came up with the uh, with the Rockies as well. Wow, Junior had a 10-year career in the big leagues. I must be mistaking him with somebody else. He last played in 2018. But Senior had a 15-year career in the big leagues. Most of it spent with Colorado and the Dodgers. In 1997, he split time with the Dodgers and the Rockies and ended up with a 280, 359, 397 slash line for an 88 OPS+. Plus. And that equals a war of 1.0. I think he usually had a mustache, but I can't tell on this because he's running and grimacing as if he's going to throw a slider. So I'm only going to get a positive 0.1 out of that. Bring me up to 32.4. All right. So we are into my last player. And we've talked about this guy before. This guy was very interesting. He suffered from Tourette's Syndrome. Uh, which gave him a lot of problems early on in his career. Here he is with the Philadelphia Phillies, Jim Eisenright. So Jim Eisenright, here with the Phillies, That's uh, he, the Phillies and the Royals are who I re- really think of him as. Uh, he came up with the Twins in 82, played a couple of seasons, and then took a couple of years off to deal with the uh, Tourette syndrome and uh, got some help with that. He came back, uh, 97 was his only full year in Florida, Um, And that was the year that they won. We've had several guys that were on that Florida World Series winning team here. uh, He had an okay year, 92 OPS plus, and that equates to a war of 0.3. And uh, he does have two and ones, though, it looks like. So I'm going to minus one of those. That'll just get me a positive 0.2 and bring me up to 32.6. Eisenreich also inducted into baseball reliquaries shrine of the Eternals, which we know is that seems like we should really do an episode on just the players inducted into that because those are the kind of guys that we generally like to talk about. Something kind of unique has happened to them during their careers. But uh, that'll that'll wrap up that pack, and that brings me to thirty-two point six. So uh, I come away with a win, but it means nothing because these are just uh, these are just some. Uh, Spring training games as we try to figure out the new rules for our new season. But uh, there you go, another episode of Wax Pack's
1: Heroes. Well, what can I say, man? I uh, I just couldn't close it down. Too uh, too strong
0: in the uh, down the yep. uh, down the, the, the stretch there.
1: All right, so that's, clicks, Jeff. Yep.
0: <laughs> All right, so that's going to wrap up another episode of uh, both Wax Packs Heroes, as well as Two Strike Noise. If you would like to follow us on social media, you can find us at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise on both Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on uh, Twitch. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, you can also, uh, Mark, send us a direct email that comes directly to our, our phones that we can see immediately. You want to tell them about that address?
1: I can see it on one of them, uh them computers too. the Commodore 64. I have Uh, electronic mail. Yes. Two strike noise. Spell it out. T W O strike noise at gmail.com. My first
0: computer was a Tandy from Radio Shack.
1: Um, I had a, I had a a Timex Sinclair 1000. (laughs) Isn't that a watch? It Uh, was a kind of a watch. It was a really (laughs) tiny computer.
0: Nevertheless, I will throw all of those links into the show notes. If you missed them, uh, otherwise mark why don't we just plan on being here again next week for another episode what do you say
1: i don't have anything else going on you know me and my life
0: all right well then uh, that'll do it for another episode of two strike noise
1: thank you god bless you have a great day